So we launched the Kickstarter originally with the goal of $2,000 in mind just to get some costume stuff going and maybe a new camera. That's it. We ended up going to $35,000 on our Kickstarter because of wow. the hype. Yeah. Like when you're stepping up from just making videos yourself for a few hundred bucks to handling $35,000, you're like, what the heck is happening? How do I do this? You know? It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go through that. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. My name is Jeremy Lee, and I am a cinematographer and head of production of my production company, Ismahawk. And so before you were uh, head of production, um, I want to talk about just like maybe a little bit about your parents and, and where, where they were from and like what it was like to like, I guess, not have English as, as the first language in the home. Yeah, my parents immigrated from uh, Vietnam before I was born and they got married in Hawaii. I was born in California and essentially grew up in California, uh, Southern California, like LA area. Vietnamese being my first language, it was hard to like understand anyone else around me at the time, but cartoons helped me learn English essentially. First couple years in school was definitely hard just because I didn't understand anything other kids were saying. You know, my parents sacrificed moving from, you know, a country their home country to another country where they didn't understand the language and, you know, had nothing lined up for them. Like, imagine if you were to do that now where you dropped everything you had to move to another country where you didn't speak the language and had to start over. Like that blows my mind. The kind of sacrifice that, you know, immigrants make in that kind of way. I'm very grateful for their sacrifice. And it also gave me a drive when someone else, you know, makes all these sacrifices for you to come here for better opportunities, they kind of don't want to waste that, if that makes sense, you know, like. And as the oldest, too, like, I feel like there's even more pressure yeah. for on, on you to make something of that. Yeah, exactly. And that's always been on the back of my mind through every decision I've ever made. But it wasn't until later in life that I learned that that is a responsibility, not necessarily an obligation. It seems like one of the first things that you 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 really liked uh, was cartoons. So can you tell me a little bit about like being a fan of Batman, Justice League, Spider-Man, like like what those uh, cartoons meant to you and, and how you started watching them? Ever since I was a kid, um, I always, the most exciting part of my day was waking up to catch, you know, Saturday morning cartoons or even just watching Astro Boy on reruns before, you know, school started or whatever. And honestly, like I didn't have a lot of friends in school. So my only form of escape was to, you know, watch cartoons or read books and spend time at the library and stuff like that. So watching these different mediums tell stories kind of helped me connect to the outside world where I didn't get a lot of experience in my personal life. And so seeing how these characters develop their moral compass helped me develop my moral compass too, especially heroes, superheroes and stuff like that. 
did you feel like you could, you know, like, like watching enough of these, you could start to apply that in the real world? I think so. Uh, you can apply these, you know, lessons to the real world, but as a kid, that's not the thing that you really notice. You know, that's not the thing that you pay attention to because you're just watching the, you know, cool stuff that happens on TV. But I think in a way you subconsciously start to pick these things up in your daily life. Um, Cause you know, c- scenarios will happen with schoolyard bullies or stuff like that, or, you know, just encountering other strangers in the real world. I remember in kindergarten, uh, in our little playground, there was a line where you can wait in to, you know, take turns riding a, like a little tricycle essentially around the playground. And I remember seeing a schoolyard bully, a kid bigger than, you know, pretty much the rest of the kids in that same class, uh, take like basically skip the line and take the bicycle from one of the other smaller kids who you know also didn't have any friends and i didn't have any friends so it's like seeing that kid (laughs) i think he started crying when his tricycle was taken away and didn't feel right to me i was like what the heck is going on walked up to the bully and said hey you can't do that and he punched me in the face (laughs) so lesson learned (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) Like, what the heck? The, mind you, we're like four or five years old in kindergarten. And this is the first time I've ever been around other groups of people. And, <laughs> you know, like English wasn't even my first language. So that's another thing I learned from cartoons as a kid. English, actually. A um, couple things there. Learned that bigger kids can definitely get an upper hand on you. But two, that kid who was being bullied, who had his tricycle taken away, became my friend for the rest of the year. Like, just because I stood up for him at that moment. Didn't get the tricycle back, but you know, you got a friend. Yeah, I got a friend instead. <laughs> so I guess it all worked out. <laughs> and so, as you develop this this interest in 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 cartoons, how does that start to bloom and and maybe like take shape as as you go towards towards high school? Are are you exploring any creative outlets at this point? At this point, it was a mixture of just music, like little music things, um, some 3D work, like when Blender 1.0 or like Beta Blender came out, just dabbling in little, you know, arts or science and stuff like that throughout um, school. But watching like I think YouTube was really the catalyst for going down this road because it was so accessible to literally anyone, you know? And, and there was so much information to explore. Like I remember my first time on YouTube, like sure I watched some of the funny videos, but then I'm like, I can learn literally anything I want. Yeah, exactly. I remember this channel, EMC Monkeys, I think was their name. Um, and they're doing like Hollywood level stuff now, but they were originally just a group of friends who ran around, did some parkour stuff, did some, you know, their own DIY stunt work and started uploading videos on YouTube. Chris Cohen is his name. He's I mean, he just did stunts for, I think, Black Panther and stuff like that. Like the like these people started on YouTube and I saw that and I was like, wait, anyone can do this? I my mind was blown. And then I saw Corridor Digital upload their uh, Frozen Crossing video for Modern Warfare. And I'm like, they did this video for four or five hundred dollars and with a group of friends and a camera like I didn't realize you could just do this yourself with the stuff that you have. I thought, you know, making videos and, you know, Hollywood 
movies and stuff like that. Such a high barrier of entry, and it was at the time. But now YouTube, and it was insane. And that really that was the catalyst. The year is 2010. I met Danny Shepard working at Best Buy. So you guys meet. And when do you guys start understanding you both had this interest in YouTube? We added each other on Facebook, I think, at the time. And he posted one of the videos that he did on his channel. He was asking for some advice or something like that. And so I replied on a comment, hey, you could try this and that. and mentioned that I could also do visual effects or, you know, help him with music on his video. And it's like, oh, really? So the next day at work, it was like, hey, you want to help me out with my videos? And I'm like, sure, because you're the literally the only other person I know who's into YouTube that way at the time, because no one else knew what it was. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And the rest is history. Yeah. So what were some of those first videos that you guys worked on? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I remember one being an Aladdin, like a fake trailer for a live action Aladdin. And uh, we went out to the sand dunes to film, made it out there, spent a whole day in the burning sun, got a sunburn. And that was our first video together. What are you thinking it's going to do? You're, you're creating this thing. This is just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. Like literally. That's how everything starts. We just do it because we want to. And I think that's an important and valuable lesson for everyone who's starting out is that don't do it unless you actually want to do it. You put it out on YouTube. What happens? I think we got a few hundred views, <laughs> like <laughs> mostly just family and friends, but that's not what matters. You know, like it was the process of making it. That was the fun part. And after that first day, I was hooked. I was like, oh, this is what it's like to make videos with other people. Every it was just at the time looking forward to the next video because like, oh, we finished one. Great. We did it. OK, what's next? Because I want to keep creating more. You know, we were standing in the parking lot of the gym, just chatting it up. And that's like a hallmark of every Ismahawk idea is just standing around the parking lot somewhere in the middle of the night, you know, talking about ideas about what we want to do, about what our goals and dreams are. We know we had a mutual interest in Batman and, you know, DC Comics and, you know, just superheroes in general. So it's like, uh, what if we made a Nightwing video? Let's do it. <laughs> so we made that video and uploaded it and took forever. Like no one wanted to help us. People kept dropping out. And so it was like we got it done, uploaded it, and the numbers just kept going up and up. And we were like, what the heck is going on? First crossed a thousand, then ten thousand, then a hundred thousand in a week or something or a couple weeks. I'm like, wait, a hundred thousand? 500,000 and then a million after a month or something and then 2 million. I'm like, what the heck is happening? Is this what being viral is? <laughs> and so we just so obviously the next step was make it bigger. You know, <laughs> that's what we thought. There's a very big difference between creating a video that gets views and then actually making money as a creator, like views on YouTube definitely amount to some money, but it's not always enough to like live off of. Did you have money to actually live off of yet? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I would say we didn't even make a living off of the channel until recently. So did you make any money off that first Nightwing video? Oh, we made money. We just spent it all. 
like there's a difference between making money and making a living from those let's say uh, those uh, that million views how much were you uh like how much revenue were you bringing in from that that video from youtube maybe three to five thousand dollars over the course of like six months or something like that which is not much at all um not much all at all that money definitely a start but like think about it how much does it cost to make a short film and that's such an arbitrary question when we're starting out on youtube literally every single cent went into making the videos like and with the rate and the speed at which we wanted to make videos like that we were spending more of our own money than the money that was coming back and so tell me about the kickstarter you launched so after that original nightwing video we were like hey this is our most successful idea yet because people like there's a there's a market here that isn't being that hasn't been tapped like a live action nightwing thing no one's seen this before uh so we launched the kickstarter originally with the goal of two thousand dollars in mind just to get some costume stuff going and maybe a new camera that's it we ended up going to thirty five thousand dollars on our kickstarter because of the hype yeah which i mean is a like when you're stepping up from just making videos yourself for a few hundred bucks to handling $35,000, you're like, what the heck is happening? How do I do this? You know? <laughs> and uh, it took us, I want to say two years, two and a half years to finish the whole thing and release it. And it was all gravy from there. But I would say that was probably the hardest process in both of our lives. In hindsight, I would say that not having a solid story or script before the Kickstarter launched is what really kicked our asses. Because the majority of the time after the Kickstarter had finished, the campaign had finished, I think it took us another year to even start shooting. And that year was spent figuring out all the logistics of what kind of story would fit the budget, what kind of story can we shoot, what kind of story can we tell, and it went through so many different versions and drafts because, you know, like you you have your pie in the sky ideas of what you want to do, you know, what kind of story you want to tell, and what kind of things you want to see. But then you have to be realistic at the end of the day and scale everything back to stuff that you can actually accomplish with the resources that you have. Every single project needs someone to hold the final card. I get the final say. And we decided that Danny would hold the final card. The Nightwing, the series was always Ismahawk's project. It's our baby, but we've had different directors and different producers on board and stuff like that just to get it up and going. But that was a major lesson in learning that someone, one person can't be two people because there's always a chance of butting heads. But one person needs to hold the card, being able to say, "Okay, I see all your guys' concerns, but I need to draw this card and say this is the final answer. This is what we're going with. Eventually, 2014, the series releases. What was the response? The response was overwhelmingly positive. Even for the people who have been waiting a couple of years for it to come out, they were so stoked on it because nothing else had been released that was like that. So the first episode came out, hit a million views, and it just kept going up. And as we, like, I think as of today, 
like past 10 million views on all the episodes. Wow. So that basically makes the budget back, right? Yeah, but it took time to do that. So I don't I wouldn't say we got any return from it, really. Like the the value in doing these things isn't the money. It's building your portfolio, building your viewership and building your audience, because one of the biggest lessons we learned from doing YouTube is your channel and all your work that you post online is essentially your portfolio, your reel. The, the process has changed a little where anyone can go on your channel and check out your work. And so whatever it is you're uploading should be representative of what you think your brand should be. We've made money from the series, but like nothing tangible in a way where we can be like, oh, we actually have money to live off of, you know? What happened as you led up to Deadpool versus Deadpool? Where did that idea come from? We knew we wanted to stay in the superhero market just because that's what, you know, was getting the numbers, but also because that's what we love to do. And we figured, why not start mashing up different properties together in the same universe? By the time we got to Deadpool versus Deadpool, we were like, you know what? Perfect timing because that Ryan Reynolds like VFX test leaked and we were like, oh, this might be a sign that this is what we should do. So we did made that video, a few hundred bucks, went out to, you know, one of these, I guess, sewer locations that we had in Vegas that was empty and just shot one day there. And it was the start of that series. You obviously have created a formula that people were really you know, vibing with and, and realizing like this is this is something that can continue and lead to even bigger things. And I think the the lesson there with that one is that the it's not the formula per se that is the barometer of success, because there were other videos at the time that were also mashing up characters, you know, like two characters from different IPs fighting each other and stuff like that. But I think what sets our videos apart is that it has like a genuineness to it where you can feel it show through on screen in the characters and the performances and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, these are Oscar worthy stuff, but it's when something like when fans make something, you can feel that it, it's a fan that made something. But we talked a little bit about the beginning of the interview, like using YouTube, using the channel as a way to get uh, as a portfolio, as a way to get studio work or jobs within maybe like more conventional Hollywood. Can you tell me a little bit about how you started to work within productions outside of Ismahawk? Every video served a purpose. Like there was a new technique that we were trying out, a new visual effect, a new way of producing a video, something like that. And so we used our videos as a form of practice. Anything that we upload, we like to think of it as like our reel. Freelancing played a major part of it because even though we were using our videos as practice for, you know, like running a larger production, both Danny and I were freelancing on our own, you know, personally, like I was doing a lot of cam op work. I was doing a lot of videography work, ways to like make money doing something, but also be still working on film. Like so freelancing for me as a cam op helped me practice my you know, camera skills and stuff like that. And the benefit is that I got paid doing it. So like learning on someone else's dime, essentially. Yeah, that is literally the best advice ever. Like that's why you freelance is so you can, it's like, it's like university that pays you. 
Exactly. And I've seen other people in Vegas too, where they start freelancing, but then they start getting lost in the freelancing. Like, oh, now they're chasing the paycheck, living paycheck to paycheck. And all they're doing is just working freelancing. They're not doing what they want to do. And they end up not being happy. Whatever goal you want to achieve, always keep that in mind. And for me, freelancing was a way to just learn because Ismahawk is everything to us. Like everything we do is for growing the company, essentially, even today. Yeah. So going towards today, what are the projects that you're working on that you're really excited about? Just this past year, we've shot an action movie, a whole feature length action film. Locally, we did another documentary feature that we shot in Australia. A lot of like actual, like full on production stuff. To get there was a leap and a half because we, I think we took maybe two years off of the channel. Not like stop cold turkey, but like pivoting what the channel was doing essentially. And that was a lot of growing pains. And it took a while to like actually get seen as more than just a YouTube channel, but actually full, you know, on film production top to bottom. And it just so happens that we had a YouTube channel that we built a platform off of. We needed to prove to the people who were doing the hiring in Hollywood that we can do what we wanted to do with, you know, higher production stuff. And so like every video needed to top its previous video in production quality, production value, all that stuff and telling a story and not just showing, if that makes sense. I love that. What advice would you give creators that are starting out on their journey and starting to get their feet wet? Maybe they post the first couple of videos. Maybe they're seeing a little bit of success. Like what advice would you give to creators that have made the leap and want to create full time, but maybe are unsure of how to do that? I would say everyone's process is different. You know, everyone, the way they get started is different. There's no one formula that fits all. But if you're starting out now, I won't say you have to know what you want to do right off the bat, but at least have some form of like, oh, this is not easy. So whatever I do, I need to put my all into it. And it might seem discouraging at first when you don't get, you know, a return or the feedback that you wish you got, but that's not the end of the world. If you keep focusing on what you want to do, good things will come. Like It's like law of attraction kind of stuff. Keep it in your mind. It's going to happen. Maybe not in the way that you think, but it will happen. And it's up to you to make what you will of it. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lin. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, David Saidi, Ashley Jimenez, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Cherise Tan, Harushi Kanauchi, Kristen Haiglin, Aya Cortez, and Valencia Lu. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Aiden Ashworth, Nikki Mukawa, Sylvie Wong, 
and Eric Menna. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Tiffany Dang, Yao Lil, and Dina Gabriel. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.